There's nothing like football. One minute it rips you apart, the next it sends you into orbit. After a nerve-shredding semi-final win over Denmark in front of more than 60,000 fans at Wembley, England are just one game away from ending the 55-year trophy jute. There were scenes of jubilation and deafening cheers as captain Harry Kane finally scored an extra-time winner, but the fragile nerves of England fans will be tested again on Sunday when they host Italy in the final. Mancini's side have not lost a match since September 2018, and nobody ever thought England would go all the way. But who knows, maybe this time football is really coming home. And this is CGTN Sports Talk. I'm Mr. Hu. On the panel today is Josh McNally. Great to be back. After so much disappointment over the mm -hmm. decades, yeah. it was a very special moment for England. Yeah, and I, I hope you didn't over-celebrate last night. No, no. I t honestly, I didn't over-celebrate. What I did was just have to release the tension I was carrying, because, like you say, I'm so used to this England team falling apart at latter stages that when I see a game like this, even though England won 2-1. There's still like a part of me that can't really believe it, can't really process. And what I've had to do every single time is I watch the game live and I'm always tense and I'm always nervous and that only can dissipate to full time. And then I go back and watch a replay, watch the highlights and then I can yeah. enjoy it and analyze it. So I feel like I will celebrate the game when I get a chance to watch the highlights because watching it live... 26 the, million people watch it on ITV. Yeah. And... I think of all of those people when the penalty went in, I think I could hear them all the way here because yeah. the celebrations are so raucous. Yeah. So yeah, I am saving my celebrations because I've been disappointed so many times. I I can't believe I'm so I'm so happy for this team. I'm so proud of this team for the first time in my lifetime that I can remember. Um, because my first memories really are like France '98. This is the first time I can think of an England team like really acquitting themselves well as a team, as players, as a country. Let's say nervous for the final, but I am happy about getting there. Yeah, it's been a long and painful yeah. run since 1966, and yeah. the England right now is is utterly insane. From yeah. what I read, the most depressing issue for many in the nation is not the highly contagious Delta variant of the COVID-19, yeah. not the uh, dangers of lifting all the lockdown restrictions. Yeah. It was how to celebrate after yeah. football coming home. Yeah, and, and the thing is, if it does, it's going to be so... People have had this celebration ever since 66. I mean, they've been waiting for a follow-up. It will just be chaos on the streets. Like, I can already imagine the streets of Liverpool. That if they win, it would just be like a, like street parties just non-stop it's I, I you know I almost wish I was there because I, I can just only imagine how raucous and how fun it's going to be so we wake up in the morning so it's not a dream yeah yeah exa exactly that like I am you know when we beat Germany I was just like I know we did beat Germany but I can't believe we beat Germany yeah. <laughs> like it took a few days for it to sink in if we actually I mean to be fair reaching a final that's already enough that's that's yeah. more than we've had in a very long time and in fact the most we've had since 66 so that alone will get its own celebrations but if we can win it and football does come home like it's, it's gonna be 
year. It's going to be wild. Let's turn attention to the semi-final. Yeah. Eh? Let's re- recap it. Mm-hmm. It was a very tense semi-final, but yeah. what impressed me most is the scenes at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. The England fans stopped look arms yeah. along one touchline mm-hmm. and close to where the families and, and fans were yeah. and joined to a resounding rendition of Sweet Caroline yeah. and football coming home. You know, I, though I'm not Englishman, yeah. it was a very touching moment. I, I, I almost cried. Yeah, no, it really is because like a thing which I always come back to is I only know stuff like Italian 90 from highlights and things like yeah. that. I wasn't there for it. So that team to me, it's historical. I remember my grandfather telling me things like that, you know, Gary Lineker, people like that. My main memories are of the, what's called the golden generation. And you never ever would have got this comradeship, this uh, connection with the crowd, connection with the fans, connection with the manager. You never ever had it. You were always waiting to see who would be the ego, who wouldn't play with who, who wouldn't pass with who. There was always some kind of drama and you knew on a base level that say, you know, not casting aspersions, but you see the way Wayne Rooney and Steven Gerrard and, you know, Frank Lampard, they all played. You knew like deep down that, yes, they were playing with England, you know, they're playing for England, they have the country supporting them, but you knew deep down they supported their club more so. It was more important to play for United, Liverpool, Chelsea than it was for the for the national team. Whereas with this, and you see people and, you know, you see them win and afterwards you've got people from West Ham and Chelsea and Tottenham and they're celebrating together and they go to the crowd together and there's a real connection. It's that more than anything which, you know, it's that more than anything that I take as a success. Like, getting this far, it's incredible. But having an England team which is supportable again, yeah. which everyone is there for again, which has a manager like Gareth Southgate, who you can tell he carried 96 for him for a very long time. And you can tell he's got some kind of atonement for yeah. him. It's that almost that's bigger than winning the cup. Like, obviously, the success is what's important. But this in and of itself is a real step forward for this side. You know, the one who watched England win the World Cup in 1960s is a pensioner right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, how many years ago was that? Like, what, 55 years? Yeah. You know, you, you there's like barely anyone alive who will have memories of that and memories of this. And to be fair, if there are, I would not be surprised if they have totally checked out of supporting the England team because you look at that side, you look at the size that followed them, and then the gap of not winning anything, and you just you know, it's it, it's always uncharted territory. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's always felt as if instead of '66 being a sign of us being like a major footballing nation, it was almost on par with like Greece 2004 of this yeah. one-off blip that would never ever be repeated. And now we are on the verge of it being repeated in the Euros. It's 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 unheralded. It's something that I never ever thought I'd live to see. Yeah, and anyone predicting it will be a very easy semi-final for England did yeah. so naively. You know, Denmark really did the best to ruin. The party yeah. and make a very very aquanoid for England yeah yeah no that that Denmark side like they are really good like I, I really can't get behind this thing where it's like oh well who have they beat they've never yeah. beat anyone good because everyone who got this far everyone who got out of the group with rare exception you know they have talent in them they have skill yeah. in them then anyone who got beyond the round of 16 they obviously have a threat somewhere they obviously yeah. can do damage somewhere and this Denmark side not only are they solid but they were playing with a purpose. They were playing with passion. Very well organised. Right, and they were playing without their best player. You know, it's one thing to rally around Christian Eriksen, supporting him after what happened to him, but they have to know deep down, like, he was their star player. Mm. And not having him and getting this far, 
you know that's that's worth all the respect in the world they they played fair they played honest the only thing that happened as far as i could see is you get into the second half and the legs just went they ran out of energy and they're such like a high pressing team that that scuppered them a lot i don't think it was a penalty it's one of those ones where i've seen them given so fair enough it wasn't it was soft but it wasn't a dive yeah and manning football pundits including joseph marino and arsene wenger all claimed that raheem sterling should never have been awarded the penalty yeah no i i think it was far too soft the he looked to me like he was going to ground before the contact was made and then with the penalty cash michael is absolutely world class i put him in like the top three and that i i feel bad for him for saving it than missing the rebound but that team really acquitted themselves well i know this is a topic that's come up several times now but we seeing how close the world cup is i look at denmark i look basically the, the finalists denmark england italy spain and feel like those could easily bolster themselves in the 18 months and become legitimate serious contenders for the world cup Well, the Danish press said their nation was cheated, was robbed, and yeah. some even said football's diving home. What, what do you make of this controversy? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those ones where you hate to see it because I, I can't argue against them. It was such a soft decision. It not only was it a soft decision, it came at a time where it basically just decided the game. Like yeah, they could have blown yeah. the final whistle after that. I like I say, I don't think it was a dive, but I think it was very soft. Unfortunately, that's what happens. It's happened to England plenty of times. It's happened to other teams plenty of times. It, it's a shame, but in eighteen months time I can happily see this team reaching the semis or even the quarters whatever of the World Cup they should know that getting this far for a nation that's what six million people they should know that they have so much top talent in there that almost I wonder if they're going to take Belgium's spot as the team that's sort of unheralded but you look player by player and you see so much talent there that they can do something I I do think they have a bright future ahead of them the television footage later revealed that someone in the crowd shone a green laser pen in Casper Schmeiger's face in the moments before Harry Kane step up to take the penalty it it remains unclear whether the laser playing affect Schmeiger's or not yeah, but it was an unpleasant scene yeah exactly it's one of those things which you know I, I really hate to say this but I am an England fan these days but the England fans as a block you don't seem to get this with other countries as much as you do with England it's a thing which has been like discussed I've read newspaper articles and things yeah. about it there's something separate about England fans from club fans and I don't know what it is but there's this just constant I don't even know how to describe it just like antagonistic side where it's more that they want to see in this case Denmark lose than England win yeah. and it's stuff like that which I really hate to see it's stuff like that which really puts me off you know we, we saw the great scenes with the fans with the team yeah. afterwards so it's not all of them I don't want to tar them all with the same brush England fans have a really long lineage of being just troublemakers and we, we, we've seen this for years and I really thought that after the World Cup last time in Russia where the England team was just like a brand new clean slate all new players all new manager I'd hope we get all new fans as well but it, it's not going away and I don't know what it is that can be done about it but I, I really hate seeing that it makes them it makes the side difficult to support because you don't want to see people like that celebrating at the end of the day I hope it's a minority it seems like a minority it used to be a majority it used to be really yeah. bad in the early 2000s but yeah I, I hate seeing stuff like that because you do wonder you know if the referee would have caught it it would have been a retake so you know Denmark are right to come to complain but they acquitted themselves well so I want to see them do well next time and the latest news is that UEFA has launched an investigation and England has been charged for this accident and and also for booing the Danish national anthem and rightfully so I mean it's one of those things where it's it's always happened to to some degree I've been at sporting events where it's just they the you know I've been to UFC events for example and a foreign 
fight will come up with a flag and they get booed for it and things like that. It's always happened, but on a scale like this, where, you know, we've seen a whole tournament... I've never, I don't think I've seen booing happen between, yeah. say, you know, uh, France and Switzerland. Like, you, you didn't see it, but you've seen it in every single England game so far, particularly the ones at Wembley. Yeah. Again, there's some kind of contingent, there's something to it, which I really don't like. We, we all, I really hope we can get this stamped out by the next World Cup, because it's definitely diminishing. Yeah. It's definitely not as on the same scale it used to be, but I still, I still really don't like it, and it's that which really puts me off. Yeah. And next up for England is Italy. Yeah. And Gary Saskia, well, not let his plays be get carried away yeah. it was job still not done right? yeah no he has been really smart with this because my biggest fear was that after the Germany game they would have blown all their energy because the way they were celebrating, the way the fans yeah. were celebrating, the way the media was talking about it, it was as if that was the final. And it, you had the real vibes of, like, you know, a promoted team in the Premier League, they get a cheeky win over Liverpool yeah. and then they lose the next 10. I had really bad vibes that was going to happen. Yeah. But Southgate very clearly and very obviously pulled them aside and let them know, like, the job isn't finished. Keep your heads down, get back to work. And all the way through, you know, there, have, there has been license to celebrate along the way. And yeah. you can tell from the way he talks to the or to uh, interviewers and the way the players do yeah. as well he's it's keeping them you have to give him credit yeah yeah he has been you know I, I think which I was reading uh, only yesterday which I totally forgot is Southgate wasn't meant to have this job it was only after I believe Sam Allardyce mm. got fired for taking bribes or at least trying to get a bribe that he got brought in and it was very much like almost like a PR tactic of well at least we have a manager he's a famous face we don't have much hope for yeah. him and yet he has completely turned this team around around in ways no one else has been able yeah. to and for that alone he deserves all the credit in the world and you know it, it, it's almost for him to atone for Euro 96 that I want to see this team win and I know that he will right now be making a game plan for the Italy game and he will be making sure his players train for it prepare for it and go in 100% committed there will be no egos on that pitch on the last yeah. day yeah so England's success has been booed around a school unity yeah. and, and a collective spirit yeah I mean that, that's the thing which you have to look at so far on both sides of the eye where the way Italy play they have been commended for basically playing like a club yeah. team and I think that's really notable is they celebrate goals but they celebrate clearances at the other end they celebrate everything as a team when they're done they go to the fans it's this collective energy which has got everyone to the final and England have to maintain that to have a chance because this Italy squad is truly world class yes. Italy have put together a formidable run of 33 games on Britain yeah. and the last defeat came all the way back to September 2018 yeah yeah they have been truly truly remarkable I've said this a few times now on this podcast where when the build-up was coming in we had our favourites in the form of like France and Portugal, yeah. maybe even Spain. We had the dark horse discussion of what about Turkey or Ukraine. We've seen other teams kind of come through it, like well, can Switzerland mount an attempt or Austria? They're quite solid things like that. I didn't, re- I don't recall reading a single piece about Italy. Yeah, I don't recall them getting any hype. I don't recall them getting anything. You know, they were returning alongside the Netherlands, and yeah. everyone was talking about Netherlands. Frank de Boer sc- scrapping four three three. Roberto Mancini is totally reinvented invigorated this Italy side and I didn't see a single piece discussing it or whether this meant they were dark horses they're going to mount an attempt they were just just back I guess and the run they've been on it has been truly remarkable not just because they have this style and flair up front and this fantastic midfield but when it's really come down to it with Spain and with Austria when they've really had to grind through it 
they've been able to do it as well, which makes them so versatile that you look at every single squad in this tournament and you can always point to a weakness and a strength. Yeah. And with this Italy side, it was only when Spinazzola got forced off with the hamstring injury, I believe it is, hamstring or Achilles, I forget. Only when he is gone can I see a weakness. Uh, and even I then, think they're the most, the most informed and the most well-disciplined side in this tournament. Absolutely, and and when we say this, I mean informed and well-disciplined in all aspects of the game, yeah. going forward, in the midfield, in the back, uh, spot kicks, penalties, everything. Like, yeah, I hate to say it, but I look at this thing and just wonder how England are going to do anything against them. So England have won only one against the last eight game against Italy, but I yeah. think Sonny's Karnstad could go either way. Yeah. Because both of these teams have oceans of momentum behind them. Yeah, exactly. That That's the thing where when you look at yeah. it, they both have fantastic crowd support, yeah. they both have this momentum, they both play as a solid unit, they both play with passion. The difference, I think, comes down to the tactical philosophy, yeah. not even the tactics themselves, just the philosophy, where Roberto Mancini has this constant fluid flowing back to front aggressive possession play whereas uh, Southgate has very pragmatic game management of they play exactly to counter the team ahead of them so it's going to be basically like the you know a movable object versus the unstoppable force in the sense of you have this constant motion of Italy play Italy's way and England play to counter whoever they're against and it will be difficult for Southgate to come up with a way to get around this but I think he can put something together because he's done it with everyone so far it's going to be the hardest test but it's going to be I think a fairly equal game yeah. But I just don't see where the margin, the, where like the margins for victory. But it's only by small margins. Yeah, they, and they are all, to me, on the Italy side of the pitch. Yeah. And it's that which is going to be the hardest thing for England to overcome. So, should we say, it has not come home yet. No. But the football might be heading in that direction. Yes. Yeah, it, it definitely, like, don't, don't get me wrong, it definitely can come home. But if it doesn't, I would not also be surprised because of the quality that's on this pitch. I mean, I almost think that we are set up for a classic final. There is a general theme in knockout football, even, you know, Copa Libertadores, Champions League, Europa League, whatever, where the semis produce better games, better content. But I look at both these squads, what they bring to the table, the emotion, the passion, the comradeship. Even if they don't win the final, it's a very joyous ride. Absolutely. Like, you know, I hate to say it it sounds like a loser's mentality, but getting this far already, that's almost more than enough. And... That, to me, shows just how good this England squad is and how just the possibilities that are there, not just for England, but for everyone. You get a good squad together who play for their manager, play for their badge, play for their country. Anything can happen. Miracles can happen. We've seen it this tournament. I would love it to come home and I think it can happen, but I cannot overlook this Italy squad at all. Okay, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like this podcast, please follow us on Twitter, leave us a message, let us know what you think. See you next time. Bye.